Welcome to the Beauty and the Vlog podcast. I'm your host, Erica Vieira. Beauty and the Vlog is an online community and podcast dedicated to supporting YouTube content creators in beauty, fashion, fitness, and lifestyle. We go behind the scenes in the world of video creating through YouTuber interviews, strategy sessions, and in-depth discussions pertaining to all things YouTube. To get the most out of Beauty and the Vlog, make sure to join the Beauty and the Vlog Facebook group and check out our beautyandthevlog.com website for show notes and more. So sit back, relax, and prepare to learn, have fun, and be inspired. Let's go. Well, hello, beauties. Erica here with another interview for you. And for this episode of Beauty in the Vlog, I interviewed another blogger. And I'm really excited to have her on because not only is she a blogger, but she has a background in PR. And so her background really helped her catapult her blog in a very short period of time. So I have on the podcast, Amy Chang, and she's a founder and editor of Bond in Avant, the name of her blog. It's a luxury and beauty and lifestyle blog founded just last year in 2016 and dedicated to thoughtful reviews, inspiring female stories, and showcasing brands that uplift women. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy this. It's actually another two-parter because Amy gave so much information. It was crazy. So if you want to learn more about blogging in general, but more so about working with brands, which I know you guys love hearing about. And Amy coming from that PR background had some really, really great tips that I've never heard before. Nobody's ever mentioned before and that have worked wonders for her. And I can imagine will work really, really great for those of you guys as well. So I know you guys like these kind of interviews where I interview industry people. And so this is another person that just has so much insight who I just so excited to have on the podcast. Well, before we jump into the interview, I want to thank our amazing sponsors for this episode of Beauty in the Vlog, Glow Professional. If you haven't already listened to the interview that I had with the ladies at Glow Professional, definitely check it out. We talk all about skincare and mineral makeup and some of my favorite products from the brand. But if you're not familiar with Glow Professional, definitely check them out. They are an amazing skincare and makeup line that has some really great products I've been loving. I love their vitamin C serum. I love their mineral makeup. And um, I definitely encourage you to go check out the website glowprofessional.com. And they're doing two amazing things. One is that they are looking to work with influencers to add to their PR list. So if you are interested and would like to be added to their list, make sure that you go to glowprofessional.com forward slash Erica. And uh, that's glow without a W and Erica with a K. And I will have all the links um, in the show notes. But go there and fill out their blogger interest form to be added to their PR list. Or if you just want to do a little bit of shopping and pick up some of the items that we talked about on uh, the podcast episode, I do have a special promo code for you. And that's 15% off your order um, and free shipping and you can use the code Erica with a K 15 and that's the code Erica 15. So go to glowprofessional.com forward slash Erica to check out Glow Professional. Now, without further ado, here's the interview. Well, welcome to the podcast, Amy. Hi, I'm so excited to be here, Erica. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you and I just have a feeling that 
this podcast is just going to be full of information that people are going to need to know about. So let's just get right into it. So, you yeah. know, I have been branching out and kind of bringing on just tiff, different different types of influencers and content creators. And you are primarily a blogger, but I do know we have a lot of people listening that are bloggers themselves or they have blogs. So I just think this is going to be really interesting stuff. And a lot of it does relate to YouTube as well, because you have such a great PR background. So let's just get started with just telling people a little about yourself, like your background, your work history, and then we'll get into your blog. Yeah, sure. Definitely. So when I was 19, I, you know, didn't, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do and actually took a year off from college. And I got a job working at Shiseido as a a makeup artist. And that kind of was like my introduction to beauty and makeup and skincare. And I just fell in love and I just loved it. And so then when I moved out to New York a year later and really decided to go back to school, I knew that it wa- I wanted to do something that had to do with beauty again. And so I went into PR and I did it, an internship at L'Oreal for their brand Shuomura and really loved that. And then, you know, kind of did some other internships for some hospitality PR places. And I still remember my boss at that time, she was like, if you really want to do well in PR, you need to have agency experience. It's just so important because at an agency, you're at the mercy of your clients. You have to wear so many different hats. You have to understand brand voices for multiple different brands. And it's just a great challenge and will prepare you. So that's what I did after I graduated. I went to go work for a hospitality PR agency and I worked on their consumer products division. And when I first started out there, you know, you're low man on the totem pole and I dealt with all the bloggers. That was the first thing that I did. And I sent out all the packages, all the press samples. I followed up with them. You know, I looked for new ones, like for new leads for us, kept track of all the samples and all the sample closets. And that was kind of what I was doing. And then as I progressed, like, you you know, you start working on how to pitch stories and it's, you know, it's just this whole world of PR. So I did that for a while. And then I moved from New York to LA with my boyfriend, who's now my husband now. And um, I just, I decided I didn't want to go back into PR. And I really wanted to do something with beauty, but, you know, be my own boss and just create something because I definitely have a creative side. You know, I love doing photography and I really loved writing. That was actually one of the other reasons why I went into PR too. So I decided to start my blog, which is Bond and Avant. And, you know, I just remember growing up, I really loved reading Harper's Bazaar. And I feel like everyone has this thing for Vogue, but I don't know. Vogue just felt too in- inaccessible for me. It just, it felt like a little too mature, but there was something about Harper's I really loved. And one of the, the pieces that they always did is in the back of the magazine, they always had one in-depth article about, you know, trends that were happening in the beauty world, like skincare, lasers, peels, you know, plastic surgery trends. And I found it so fascinating And I really wanted to just read more content that was like that. And, you know, there were some platforms out there that had that content, but I really felt like the the platforms themselves were kind of geared towards someone in their 40s or 50s. You know, it wasn't young, it wasn't hip, it wasn't stylish and sophisticated. And so when I started my blog, I was like, you know what, I want to write about this content that I want to read about. 
And I want to make it young for someone like myself and, you know, sophisticated and stylish and fun. And so that's really what I've been doing. You know, all the experience that I had in PR was like, so amazing and so helpful for when I went to go start my blog. And I, you know, looking back, it's like, you know how they say you can't really connect all the dots until you're looking back on things. Yeah, like, yeah. I feel like, you know, I really was meant to go through what and learn what I learned in PR so that, you know, because it would help me with my blog. So one of the first things that I did was I definitely made sure that I had a lot of content up. So before I even launched my blog, you know, I did took all the photography and I wrote 20 articles to put up so that when I would reach out to PR people for product samples, there would be something that, you know, they, they could see and something that would tell them a little bit about my brand. You know, I remember in PR, like there's these things called AORs and it's an agency on record. So when a PR agency starts working with a brand, what they'll do is they'll send out kind of an announcement or like a press release that, that says like, hey, you know, so-and-so agency is now representing so-and-so brand. And so one of the first things that I did is I made a list of all the brands that I wanted to work with. And then I just started researching online to try to find the AORs. And, you know, sometimes you'll find them, sometimes you won't because like brands will hop around to different agencies. And sometimes I would get like an old contact, but then, you know, sometimes the PR people are really nice and they would send me, you know, oh, hey, that brand is now working with this agency. Here's the, you know, contact information to reach out. But another way, if you can't find the AOR, is just to go onto the brand's website and look for the info at email address. Sometimes they'll have it. Sometimes they'll just have a contact form. But um, it's definitely a great way to just get connected. So once I had the contact information, I just introduced myself and just I made a, a press kit for my blog. And I think for vloggers, you know, I, I've heard you mention like kind of like a video reel, like an intro reel. Yeah. I think a really great idea, but I definitely think adding a one pager to the email embedded in the email is also really important. Cause let's say like a PR person is super busy, you know, they may not want to watch like a two minute video or something, but if there's, you know, if there's like a one pager embedded in the email, they could just like quickly scan the information really quick and see like, okay, this is what this person's about. This is, you know, and then they may decide, Oh, okay, actually I'm going to watch this video. So I think that's a really important thing to do. But so I created a, a press kit for my, my blog, and that included a one pager, which was a description of what my brand was all about. Like what kind of content was I going to cover? Who kind of was like the target audience, but kind of just writing it in a very relaxed, like friendly manner, just, you know, not too serious. And then I did include like a little one pager about myself. And when I reached out to them, I just said, Hey, like, I'm Amy, you know, I'm launching this blog. Um, I see that you represent so and so, you know, I'm writing an article about, you know, matte lipsticks or something. And I would love to like test for inclusion, you know, this brand that you work for, you know, would you be interested in sending me a product sample? And in the beginning, I would say like maybe 30% would reach out and respond back. But I would say for every story, I probably would pitch like 10 different brands. Like if I was writing about matte lipsticks, I would reach out to like 10 different brands and maybe like three would get back to me, you know, just because I was new and didn't have a lot of content and stuff. But then it started to like, when I would reach out, then more people would get back and then you build the relationships with those PR people too. Okay. So... 
I'm curious, just out of curiosity, why did you decide to not do PR when you moved here to LA? Oh, you know, um, one thing that I didn't really like about working on an agency is if you don't believe in the product or the brand, you still have to represent them. Yeah, totally. That was difficult for me because I was like, okay, here I am pitching this product that I don't necessarily think is great, but I have to represent them because they're a client. And so, you know, I always would pitch, you know, you talk with different magazine editors and I just always wanted to be on the other side. I wanted to be the one creating the content not the one trying to like get a product into that content. And, you know, PR was a little bit, it can be like a very competitive work environment. And, you know, I think I just, I wanted something that allowed me more creative freedom, you know, to be able to create my own content and to be able to promote products that I really believe in. And I think that's important. And so, you know, even now, if PR people like send me products, I make it very clear to them, like, you know, depending on how your product tests, you know, I'm not, I'm only going to write about it if I really love it. And I love being able to be in control in that manner. So that's interesting. So you said that you've always had an interest of being the content creator. Where did that interest come from? And and where did you always think that you would have some kind of a blog? Oh, you know, it's funny because I didn't actually, you know, my husband actually years ago, like four or five years ago, was like, oh, you should create like a beauty blog, you know, because I was always buying products, so obsessed with this world and loved writing. And I was like, well, I didn't really think that I could, you could make that a career at the time. You know, that was like in 2010 when Into the Gloss was just coming about, like, I think beauty blogs were still kind of in their infancy, but I didn't really take it seriously until recently. And I was like, you know what, I'm really going to do this. And I just, I, I think I've always been very creative. You know, my, my parents definitely have inspired that in me. Like my dad does photography. My mom does Chinese brush painting. They're kind of like these artsy hippies. And, you know, so growing up, my mom would send me to like art classes in this, during the summertime. And like I paint, like in our house, we have all these like big paintings that I do, like kind of a mix of, of acrylic and oil. Yeah. So I think, I think that's kind of why I just like the creative aspect of it. Yeah, that's so cool. And so, um, so then you moved to LA. And um, once you moved to LA, that was it was probably a decision. You're like, am I gonna get a job in PR? Like, I don't really want to do it. And then you, you decided to then just do blogging full time. Yeah. So when I got here, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I knew that I didn't want to go back and work at a PR agency again. Although I did interview at a couple places, but I think my heart just wasn't into it and they could sense that. And, you know, I did some consulting, I kind of a few projects here and there, but yeah, I was like unemployed for a couple of years besides like these one-off projects and actually was like really unsure. I was like, oh my gosh, like what's my direction? Like, where am I going? What am I doing? It, it was kind of, it was kind of unsettling for me at the time. I wasn't sure because like what I wanted to do. Because up until that point, I had been like this. Okay, this is what I'm going to do. Here's my plan. These are my goals. Yeah. And so here, here was like this period of time where I didn't know. But then finally, when I decided that I was going to do it, I just went like full force. And so, you know, I started with 20 articles up. It's been a year and I have about 210 articles. I try to be very consistent and post like, you know, three to four times a week. 
with the content, you know, for the this next coming year, I plan to double that and do like six to seven articles per week. So yeah. So you, um, you started your blog how long ago? So it's been, it'll be, it's like almost exactly one year. One year. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's an interesting leap to then say, okay, do you want, I'm not going to, you know, I went to school, I went to PR, I'm not going to do that. And I'm going to start a blog. And then, you know, a year, it's still pretty recent to the point where, you know, people were still asking that question a year ago, like, is the market saturated? Are there way too many blogs out there? Like, how do you, you know, everyone says, oh, you know, you need to start a few years ago because it's like impossible to grow now. So I would think the making that decision to decide to do like a blog as a full-time thing would also be a little bit of a kind of a scary decision too. Yeah. You know, I definitely think it's very saturated, but I knew that the content I would be creating would be different a little. It would have like its kind of own niche because, you know, I would read different beauty blogs and I would see the content and the content really was focused on product reviews. And I wanted to write about not just product reviews, but also do interviews with women who are in the beauty sphere. I also wanted to write about, you know, plastic surgery, cosmetic treatments like lasers and Botox and fillers and, you know, but not just my own personal experience and like my point of view, but more so like interviewing plastic surgeons, interviewing doctors, getting their quotes and making it more kind of like straddling the line between a blog and like an online news media website, like kind of in between, like, so. Yeah, so you basically came on thinking, you know what, I'm going to do something really different. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that that was kind of it. But I just knew that I was really passionate about it. And my belief is that if you're passionate about something and every day that you do it, it doesn't feel like work and you get enjoyment and enrichment, like, at the end of the day, like that's really what life is about finding something that fulfills you that you want to do every day. And then the rest will follow. Like, yeah, yeah. I I mean, I think definitely the fact that you have experience like in the industry, like PR experience and working on that side of it, I think that helps tremendously because, you know, if someone's really young and they're 19 and they're like, oh, I'm just going to start a blog and, and do that. It's like, well, you have years upon years of experience and your education and all that. And all that goes into what really is required to have a lot of success, you know, as a content creator. So I think in a way it's a leap, but at the same time, it's not so much of a leap for someone like yourself because you have all that experience. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, definitely. Like the, my background in PR was so helpful. So, you know, as I said, like just finding the agency on records for different PR agents. And I mean, within like the first couple of months that I started my blog, you know, I started getting press samples. So I didn't have to like, you know, because in the beginning to try all these different products, yeah. I would buy like samples off of eBay, you know, I would go to Sephora and like buy stuff and then, you know, photograph it and then return it. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah cuz it gets to be I mean it's it, it, every yeah. product is 20, 30, 40 bucks. It gets to be really expensive and you're uploading content two or three times a week. It's like I mean you can easily blow 400, $500 a week on just product. Yeah, exactly. So I knew like the strategy right away was okay, I need to like build relationships with these PR people and be able to get press samples and you know, it's not just about getting the product, but it's building that relationship. And that I think was one of the biggest takeaways for me from PR is that, you know, in whatever you do to just always present yourself professionally and really make, you know, 
provide value for the person that you're building that relationship with. So that's huge. Yeah. Like with the PR people, you know, I remember being on that other side and having to like track down bloggers that were unresponsive to my emails with follow-up questions like, Hey, so, you know, I sent this product to you two months ago. Like, what's the status? What's the story going to be about? When do you think you'll post it? And just like radio silence. And there's nothing more frustrating than that because, Mm -hmm. you know, working um, at the agency, we're responsible to our clients. So every month I would have to do status reports and I would write, okay, so we sent out, you know, 20 products. Here are where the 20 products went to which bloggers, like this is what stories they're working on. And the, you know, these are the potential dates for when it'll get posted. Cause that's what the clients wanted to see. So knowing that information, I knew that I would make the PR people happy and like make it an easy working relationship if I, before they even asked for that information, provided it. So, yeah, I think that's really great. And I want to break that whole process down because I think that's really, really, really valuable. So, okay. So we went back to, when you started your blog, just out of curiosity, were you, how were you supporting yourself when you decided to just make that leap and go into blogging? Well, so I had saved some money from when I was working before, but thankfully, like my husband, you know, can support us. And thankfully, like I can, you know, do this because I know not everyone's in a situation where they can. So I feel very grateful that he's able to do that. Yeah, that, I mean, that's really nice. But at the same time, it, it's great. It almost it, it kind of relieved the pressure off of you in a way so that you can, in a way, it's like having that pressure of like, oh, how, how do I make money on this is almost like the worst thing. Because, you know, then you're not, you, I don't think you're doing the best job you can possibly to have the best blog or YouTube channel possible. That's why I always tell people, you know, before you quit a job or anything like that, unless you have some kind of other support, like you're living at home with your parents or a husband or something like that, like I wouldn't quit because it's way too much pressure and it affects, I believe, the quality of the work. But when you have that freedom in a way or you, you have another job that's supporting you or some other way that supports you, then you you almost have the freedom to, to really do what you want to do and not think about, oh, how am I going to make this, you know, make money from this? Yeah, I think that's definitely true. And I think that's one of the reasons why, too, I didn't have the pressure to, you know, write about every product that was sent or, you know, I I have a little bit more freedom in that sense. Mm -hmm. Which makes the blog better and people... I think respond. They they know that and they respond to it. They don't know it, but they, I mean, there's a reason why you know your blog grew so quickly, and we'll talk about that. And then I think it's because you know you're putting out really good quality, and it's not just you're not just putting out things just to put out things. Okay, so I thought it was interesting how you said that when you first made that decision to come out with your blog, you had already 20 articles that you just or you already wrote 20 articles, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that was before you even reached out to any companies at all. Yeah. Right. Okay. And you, did you, so aesthetically then, how did you like, did you design a website or, cause I'm assuming you, it took maybe like a month or so before you reached out to any of them. Cause you had to have time for all those, you know, articles to upload, right. To post yeah, them all. I, think, I started planning. It took me six months of planning and oh, writing wow. the articles and, you know, designing the website and figuring out what the name would be. And, you know, the name Bond and Avant, I took French like for four years in high school mm-hmm. and whatever, but it means leap forward. And I knew that what I wanted to create the brand was content that would help 
uplift women and propel them forward in the beauty sphere. So I, I wanted to write about, you know, Botox and lasers and all this kind of stuff and have it be a place where there's no judgment. And it's just, you know, very supportive of women and however they choose to lean into their vanity and beauty. So, you know, I was really thoughtful about what the brand would be, what the logo was going to look like, you know, and it took a while because like I was kind of bare bones in this. And so like I was finding freelancers on Craigslist, like, you know, to do my logo or to help with my website and then writing all the content too. So yeah, it was about six months. Yeah. I mean, and I think it's really good to be deliberate like that if you're going to do something like start, you know, a YouTube channel or a blog and not just, I mean, a lot, I know a lot of times when I interview people, they're like, okay, the best thing to do is just start, just start, which I get that. I mean, you don't want to put it off for, you know, a year or two years or whatever. But I also think it's like, it's more so making that decision, that deliberate decision you're going to start and then taking the time to really, really like what you did, come up with the branding, come up with a plan, come up with the content and then launch. I did the same thing with the podcast. I, it probably took me when I made the decision that I was going to do the podcast. I think it took me probably it was like all summer. So and then yeah. And then actually, I think I launched around Thanksgiving. So I think it took me like four months or so. And I did the same thing. I wanted to have already, I think it was like 10 or 12 episodes pre-recorded and done. And I did the logo. I did the website. I did all that stuff because when I launched, I wanted it to look really good because for me, and I'm sure similar for you too, and you know, anyone who has a blog or anything, I wanted it to have credibility and I want to be able to get guests, to continue to get guests. Yeah. And so, you know, if you're reaching out to people and say, here's a podcast, here's a website, you want it to look good. You want it to look as if you've been doing it forever. And so I, I did the exact same thing. I was very deliberate in the branding, in the logo, in the content. And I wanted to have, you know, a whole bunch of content up. And then that was when, you know, I was fortunate that I was able to get a lot of people on the show who just blindly were like, sure, I'll be on the show. And I'm so grateful for like those first like 15, 20 people that were like, okay, you know, I don't know anything about this podcast and you have no examples to tell me about it, but I'll be on it. But I also had kind of like you a background in entertainment reporting and celebrity reporting. So I kind of use that. I was like, you know, I was on this network, that network, I've done these celebrity interviews. And I and this is, you know, the start of something new. But you know, I had the same thing as you did. And I think it's really, really beneficial. And I think it's a really good lesson for people to think about. And if you've already started, like most of the people listening, I, to go back and, and like, if you have a website, like, like, how does it look aesthetically? Or do you have a logo? Do you have a branding? You know, and I talk about branding so much on the podcast. Like, how is your your channel bander and your intro and, you know, all those types of things. Like, and then like, it sounds like, Amy, you're very deliberate too. And like, like you said, you you have a certain niche that you think that you're targeting as well. Like, it's, it's just important all the way around. Yeah, definitely. The more you can think about all of those different aspects and, have it all kind of, I mean, you can't have it completely planned out. Of course, like as you continue, it'll evolve and grow and kind of reshape. But having a lot of that pre-planned before you launch or even going back and kind of restructuring things, it allows you to get more traction with brands. You know, you'll look more professional, more people will want exactly. to work with you. It'll definitely open up doors. Yes, I 100%. And you know, I mean, a lot of times too, like I tell people like, especially on YouTube, 
you really want to focus on on your content first before even reaching out to brands. But you know, I think sometimes blogging is a, a little bit different. But I mean, it's you know, it's it's fine either way. If you're able to come out of the gate with some really amazing looking content and it looks really really good then, you know, reach out to brands, but I'm always, but a YouTube channel is a little bit different because there's so much more involved. You got to figure out your lighting and your filming and your editing. And I think that takes some time before I would tell people to reach out to brands. But I think in your case, when it comes to blogging, I think it was, it was super, I mean, it's a super smart what you did. Yeah, but it's definitely an evolution. I mean, if I go back and look at my photography in the beginning, like my lighting was terrible, like the focus was off. I mean, definitely when you start out, you don't know everything and it's going to be, you know, it's new and you just have to keep every day, like learning a little bit more about your craft and getting a little bit better, whether that be, you know, for, you know, editing or sound or lighting or any of that. It's just an evolution. And it doesn't have to be perfect. I think as long as the quality of the content, like what you're talking about, that you're authentic, like those things are really important too. And PR people also look at that. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to just look like flawless because also PR people recognize that there are people at different levels and different stages and where, you know, they're taking their platform. So you had, you, it took you about like a six month lead time. Did you design your own website or did you hire someone for that? I designed it, but I had a developer do the the coding. Yeah, the code and all that. Yeah, but you know what? I actually, looking back now, because I just did a redesign and switched it over to a WordPress template, and I would recommend not going that route that I did because I definitely spent way too much money initially having it designed because like my whole thought was like, oh, I want it to be you know very unique and I don't want to use like a cookie cutter Mm -hmm. template, but actually like the WordPress templates that are out there now, and I use one from Piptig, they're so easy for you yourself on the back end to like adjust like how the font looks or adjust like, you know, where the picture placement is. And it would have saved me so much time and so much money doing it myself and just going that route. So and it, I, that's what I recommend people do now. Yeah. What, what was that template you use? Pip what? Oh, Piptig. Yeah. How do you spell P- that? D-I-G. P-I-P-D-I-G? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So you did, you you had a designer, and but you had an aesthetic in mind. You did the branding. You did those 20 articles. Um, and then at that point, you were writing articles just based on things that you were interested in or products you already owned. Yes. So I created different categories and I made sure to rotate the category. So if I was doing three articles per week... I would do one about you know skincare, one about makeup, one about health to make sure that you know the content kind of grows evenly. I think that's also really important. And you know I'd write about products I already had, I would write about like samples that I would buy off eBay, and I started doing interviews. And I think interviews is a really great way to expand your platform whether it be, you know, a YouTube channel or doing blogging, because what you're essentially doing is you're cross pollinating, like Mm -hmm. you're tapping into that person's audience, and they're tapping into yours. So you're both kind of exposing each other to a new set of eyes. So what I would do is I, I found like, 
you know, beauty brands, skincare brands, and I would interview their founders. And I would just ask them questions about, you know, what their product is. And, you know, they were more than happy to be on be interviewed because they were able to like promote their product and get more information out to consumers and readers about their brands. But it was just a great way also to to like tap into the personal stories of other women because I couldn't just continually just write about myself because I think I I mean I could but I think it's more interesting to have like varied stories on there too totally preaching to the choir girlfriend yeah Yeah, I mean it's I, I love you know interviews and bringing other people on it's a great way to grow your platform and it's a great way to to not even just that but just to like meet people in the industry yes yes you know i think it's i i love it okay so so then you uploaded your those posts and so were you at all at that point uh, strategic with like seo and things like that no so actually i didn't do seo until about December of last year. So, you know, just like five months ago, I started doing SEO and SEO hands down is like the number one thing that I tell bloggers or vloggers that you should invest in. And I spent like a couple hundred dollars. I think it was like $200 for like a freelancer I found on Craigslist. And it was the best money I've ever spent for my website. What he did is he did a full audit of my website and they can also do this for vloggers too. And he goes through the content and, you know, I think for vloggers, it would be the tags, but it's Mm -hmm. the keywords, um, blogs. And he would say, okay, you know, here's where you rank for all your different keywords, which are, you know, the topics of your content on Google. Like here are the things that you can do on the back end to make Google bots, which crawl your website or crawl the content that you have. And then they rank it in search engines. And he was like, you know, and here are the topics compared to your competitors that if you write about these topics, you know, it's less competitive with the other people with the other competitors in your field. And so you'll be able to get a higher Google ranking because, you know, social media is great to blast out if you just did a video, if you just did a blog, but after a while, it really does kind of circulate in the same network. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe it'll kind of spread out a little bit if like a friend of a friend sees it and they like it and then maybe some of their people, but it really kind of stays like in a very kind of contained audience. But if you can really harness SEO, you tap into just all the people who are in the world searching for things. So you'll get people completely outside of your network who will be able to come and see your videos or read your blog articles. You know, there's a one platform that he recommended to me, which, you know, it's a little expensive. It's $100 per month or like 95 or something. But, you know, if you're budget conscious, what you could do is you could get like a few other like blogger friends or vlogger friends and you guys could like split one account and share it or something. But it's called SEMrush. So S-E-M. R-U-S-H. Mm-hmm. And it's a fabulous tool. So what you do is you can type in different keywords, like say, you know, matte lipsticks, and it'll pull up like 50 different keywords that are very similar to matte lipsticks, like red matte lipsticks, red matte lips, red matte lipstick colors or something. And it'll just, it'll show you all these different keyword search terms that people search in Google or, you know, search engines. And then it'll tell you how competitive they are, meaning, you know, what's the possibility that if you write a blog or do a you know video about this, that you're going to rank high in the search engine, or is it too saturated? Are you not going to be able to ever get past like page nine on Google search, you know, meaning nobody's ever going to see your content. 
So they show you those. And typically what you want is you want something that's below an 80 because it's on a hundred scale. So Mm -hmm. you want below an 80 and kind of like in the 50, 60, 70 range, keywords that are in there, you have a really good chance of ranking high. So like, for example, I wrote an article about gua sha and it's a traditional Chinese medicine technique of using like, it's similar to like jade rolling. You use like this little jade stone and you rub it on your skin and it increases circulation to your skin. And anyway, so I wrote this article and, you know, it's not a very competitive keyword. And they'll tell you like how many people search that keyword per month. So mm-hmm. let's say 60 people search that keyword or maybe a hundred or something. And because it had a competitive ranking of around like 55, you know, after I wrote that article and after a little bit of time of people seeing it and it getting pushed up, it's now like the number one article when you search gua sha face. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I've noticed on my analytics that I get a lot of traffic from that, like a steady stream. From that one post. From that one post. <laughs> that's, that, that's the thing with content is it's evergreen, yeah, right? Yeah. You write a post and then a year from now, it could still be getting people who are coming to visit it. I think SEO is so important. It's important in YouTube and it's important with blogs. I mean, that's why I'm always talking about in YouTube, a tool called TubeBuddy, which I talk about all the time. And what's great is that it's really inexpensive. I mean, they have a free version, which sounds similar to that within YouTube. And then they have a paid version, which is a little bit more detailed, but the paid version is only like, I think like 15 bucks a month. Like it's really inexpensive. Because if you're creating content, you really want to know like what people are searching for. And, and I, I mean, same thing, even like for me, like I found out, like, how do people find a podcast? You're like, well, I search in iTunes and I'm like, that's like the most, you know, I get, I get so many people saying that like versus like all the work that I put into like social media and all that stuff. And most of the people end up finding it via, you know, via searches. And so um, it is because, because you want to be there when people need you and people want you. Right. You know, because you might be branching out and have all these social media followers or, you know, whatever, get a repost here and there. But if nobody if somebody doesn't need your content right then and there, they're not going to take action and they're not going to go into that that page or whatever you're doing. But if you're you can be right there at the top of that Google page when they need you and want you, it's just so much more likely for them to click on you and into then, you know, hopefully go down the rabbit rabbit hole of your website and and get invested and and oh okay, yeah, that's a great, great website or whatever. Or even if they're there just to read that one post, it still helps you overall. It definitely helps you. I mean, that's how you tap into new audiences. And that really is going to be the thing that fuels your growth. I mean, like you were saying, social media can help. And it definitely is a key piece. But SEO is huge. And you could have, you know, a constant stream of new people finding your content this way. So I definitely it's like the number one thing that I tell people when they're starting out, you know, invest in like buy a SEO for dummies or, Mm -hmm. you know, just read about it and figure out how to, you know, make your site SEO friendly. And also, you know, there are other things too, like on the back end that my consultant was telling me about that makes your site more friendly to like these Google bots that like crawl your, I know it sounds kind of weird, but they like crawl your site and they, they're the ones that determine where you're ranked. Mm -hmm. And so like if your back end has like 
backlinks or the coding like isn't very clean, it's going to push down your rankings too. Mm, that's interesting. So I'm curious that website, which I'll, I'll have linked SEMrush, what's the difference between that and just going into like Google AdWords? Isn't that somewhat similar to be able to, was it Google AdWords where you could kind of check the words and all that? Oh, I haven't used Google AdWords. Oh, okay. Um, but does it tell you like how competitive things are or like how many people search? Yeah, just- it does. Oh, it does. It does. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, it's not super user friendly. It can be kind of confusing. I was just wondering if... if- oh, well, I'm going to have to check that out and definitely do a comparison. Yeah. I mean, the other thing that I do like about SEMrush is like they'll tell you the analytics for your page, like compared to other competitors. Like if you're competing for different SEO terms or different keywords, like, mm-hmm. you know, it'll kind of tell you some of that information, like compared to other people, other websites. But... I mean, if, oh my gosh, if Google Ads is, AdWords is free, I'm like, what am I doing? Spending $100? <laughs> I'm like, oh. Well, I'm sure it must be better somewhere. I mean, obviously they're taking the information from, because that's the thing like with TubeBuddy, it's basically taking the information from Google, um, Google Analytics and Google AdWords, but it's really yeah. user-friendly and it's baked into the YouTube platform. So it's, it's so much easier to use. And I mean, the TubeBuddy is free, but even the paid version is so cheap. It's like so worth it. That's why I was I was just curious kind of what the difference here. I mean, I'm, you know, even in the same realm, I'm I'm trying to figure out SEO for the my website and all that stuff. So I might end up having to call your guy. And if he has a website or anything, I can always link him to the show notes as well. Um, because, you know, having somebody just kind of sit there and go through your website, be like, do this, don't do that. I mean, it's so valuable. Yeah, definitely. He's really great to work with. I will definitely give you his information. Yeah, um, yeah. How did you find him or how'd you get... Oh, yeah. So there's a platform called Upwork. Um, oh, Upwork so I, like, yeah. I like, swore off Craigslist because I had like a couple yeah. of bad instances with a couple of freelancers. But Upwork is amazing. So you go on there. It's this great platform. And you just type in like, you know, what you, what you need, what your project is. You can look for anything like social media consultants, SEO consultants, website developers, website designers, logo designers, anything. And you can put in kind of a budget for how much you want to spend. And it'll give you, you know, different rankings like there's like people who are more senior so they're going to be more expensive there's mm-hmm. like newbies who are a little bit cheaper and kind of you know different hierarchy for ranking and pricing yeah upwork is great i've i've definitely used them before also that's awesome so okay now having had that experience with the seo guy what what's your process now when you are gonna you know thinking about a blog post and then kind of you know, up um, posted and all that. What's your whole process from start to finish when it comes to SEO? You know, I could be more strategic about it. And I could, you know, like my SEO consultant, he made me a list, a long ass list of, you know, keyword terms that I would be able, if I wrote about those topics, I would be able to get really good, high Google rankings. But some of the topics don't interest me. You know, there's other things going on like that. I'll find like this new product that's launching and maybe it's not like a competitive keyword term, but I still want to write about it. So I kind of actually, the flow is more what I personally find interesting and it's a little bit more organic and then I'll write the blog post and then I'll go back and I'll start to try to figure out what keyword term that I want to use kind of based on the content. And sometimes I may go back and try to adjust the content a little bit. Cause like, let's say you pick a term like matte lipsticks mm-hmm. is your keyword term. Then, you know, your written content, the more times that that word is in your written content, 
like the better and the higher rank it'll get. Yeah. Is yeah. it some, okay, then this content is very true to what this person's looking for. So sometimes I'll go back and kind of rewrite it little parts. Yeah. And then um, uh, even like the images that you use too, right? Yeah. So you definitely want to have the keyword terms tagged in the images as I'm sure with like the videos and stuff too. You just want to make sure that that keyword is everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Do you use any backend tool in WordPress when you're putting together your blog post to help with the SEO? You know, I had Yoast for a little bit. Yeah. That one seemed like a little, I never really could figure it, figure it out. I don't know. So I just use what they have on there, the WordPress. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's what I use is Yoast. And that's all I pretty much do for SEO, which that's better than before, which was nothing. And I, I, you know, I don't really know if it's working or not working, but I do. Yoast is, I think it's pretty good. I think it's pretty good actually for at least kind of getting your feet wet or just starting off and figuring out the SEO of your, you know, blog. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's, that's really interesting about SEO. We'll have all those links in the show notes for you guys, if you're curious to check out any of those tools that she talked about, but let's, uh, let's go back to like the, the PR stuff about it. So then you had these 20 blog posts up and then that's when you said, Hey, now I'm going to go, I'm going to reach out because I look like I have a legit blog. I've got a lot of content up there. They can see what the style looks like. So then you reached out to these blogs and your first step was to do those AORs you said. Yes. So the first step was to basically create a PR list. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, on your podcast, you definitely talk about as a content creator, getting on PR lists, like mm -hmm. getting on their media list. But I think just as important for you know us content creators to have our own PR list. So I, would, I started first with the AORs and just finding different PR reps for the different brands that I was looking to write about. And then once I had my press kit with my one pager, I would reach out and just send them an email and introducing myself. But I would be very specific about what I was asking for because, mm -hmm. you know, not only do PR people just not want to just send stuff into the ether and like, you know, I don't know where it's going or what it's going to be about or what it's used for. Like they want very concrete, like, you know, what's the story about? What's the timeline? You know, are there other brands that are going to be included? Um, sometimes they won't ask that, but just give them as many specifics as you can. And um, because then they can take that information and, you know, include it in their monthly reports to the clients and say, Hey, look, like, the, you know, these are where your products went. And, you know, hopefully these are the stories that are going to come from that. So definitely, I think the being really specific is really, really, really important. Well, there you have it. That was part one for my interview with Amy Chang. I hope you enjoyed it and you got a lot out of it. Like I always say, uh, definitely join the Beauty in the Vlog Facebook group to kind of get uh, even more involved in the Beauty in the Vlog community. And make sure that you check out our sponsor for the episode, Glow Professional at glowprofessional.com forward slash Erica to check out their products or be added to their blogger interest list. All right, guys, I will see you next week for part two. Mwah. <laughs>